When you strip the color out of a photograph, it causes you to focus more on the heart of that subject, really what makes that image tick. And there's a lot of different ways that you can process black and white photography. You can go the Ansel Adams route. You can go the low contrast route. But what I really love is high impact, high contrast, black and white photography. That's exactly why I've got Jazz Meadows on Behind the Shot. Hi, once again, welcome to Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots from conception to completion and all the challenges and stories that happen in between. I'm Steve Brazel as, as your host, as always. And uh, as I mentioned in the intro, I'm a fan of black and white photography, and that's why we're going to talk music photography with Jazz Meadows today. But before we do that, and and I, I'll be honest with you, I don't shoot or I don't process enough black and white photography, partially because I see work from people like Jazz, and I just don't think that I compete with it. But before we do, on the December 6th episode of Behind the Shot, I had a guest, Carl Eric Voslog. Carl Eric goes to a, a photography education program that is part of the Red River Paper educational program. Red River Paper participates in an educational program with a number of different photography education programs around the United States. We started a contest, and I'm not going to go through all the rules this time. I did it on the last episode, but I want to encourage you, A, to go back and watch that episode for the contest details. Plus, the contest details are up at the website. It's behind the shot. Dot TV. You can find out all the information that you need there. The contest is going through the end of January. You still have plenty of time to get in on it, and I suggest that you do, With which brings us to another thing. Since we're talking music photography today, uh, I've got a buddy in San Diego, Adam L. Micaias, and Adam has coming up two days of music photography workshops. Now, the first day is there is no beginner. The first day is going to be intermediate. The second day is going to be advanced. The dates are January 7th and 8th of 2019, and it's going to be in San Diego. You can find out more information at musicphotographyworkshops.com. And Adam actually reached out to me just today, and he said to me, hey, let's give away some, some uh, entrances into the workshops. I thought, okay, that's really cool. So we're giving away two admissions, one admission to the intermediate uh, day, which is going to be the first day of the, the event, and one for the advanced day. Now, I do want to preface this by saying this is not for beginning music photographers, right? If you've never shot music photography, it's probably not for you. But if you are a music photography fan and shooter, then I highly recommend you get in on this. couple of notes. It's in San Diego, and it does not include travel or lodging. You got to get there. You got to put yourself up. This is just entry into the workshop, the workshop only, right? But... The other thing is, I want to make sure that you can actually go. So don't enter the contest when you're in Helsinki and then go, ah, I can't use it. And you take that spot away from somebody else, right? So make sure that you can go. How do you enter? It's really, really easy. Adam's going to pick the winner. I want you to actually tweet Adam L. Micaias. It's just at L. Micaias. And in your tweet, I want you to include one of your music photography photos from 2018, your favorite one, and a small little paragraph on why you want to go to this workshop. Again, make sure that you can go and you just want to tweet Adam. It's at El Micaias and use the hashtag. Let me put that lower third up once again. The hashtag is in here. I want you to use the hashtag El Micaias as well. That way we can search them, find all the entries. Adam is going to pick the winner. It's going to run until the 1st of January. And he'll pick the winner and whoever it is gets to go to, uh, or winners, I should say, one for intermediate and one for advance. So that brings us up to my guest for today. I 
appreciate him waiting. Uh, Jazz, you're so patient and you're sitting there silent as we're doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to welcome Jazz Meadows to the show. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure. You have an accent to me, not to you. So let's just start with where are you from? I'm from Melbourne, Australia. Okay. And born and raised? Born and raised. Okay. And you're a live music photographer in Melbourne, Australia. And there's a couple things about you that I find really interesting from a photography point of view. You have found success and a huge following in a very short amount of time. You've really only been around shooting live music for about, what, four and a half, less than five years, I think. Yeah, yeah, less than five years. And how did you get started? This is always one of the fun things for music photographers, which is what I do too. Oh, and let me say this, two things. If you're listening to the audio version of this, be aware there is an audio version. You can always go to the website to see the photograph that we're going to be talking about. But uh, even though Jazz is a music photographer, we're going to talk about black and white and processing and a lot of different things. So this applies to, to everybody. But one of the interesting things for music photographers is how you get started because it's difficult to get in to music photography. How did you get into it? Um, I sort of fell into it because when I was young, I played in a lot of bands when I was younger, so I was on stage a lot. And then that dream sort of fiddled away. And, and then I thought, um, I'll just spend a year of just going to live music shows, as many shows as I could, because I just love, I think live music so good for the soul. So I just started going along and I just, I always had a point and shoot, you know, I was handy with those little things and um, started sneaking my camera in. So when you say, I got to interrupt you, I apologize. When you say point and shoot, are you talking pocketable? Like you hit it from security as you went in? Uh, Yeah, yeah. At the time I had a Canon 1GX. I'm looking at my desk for it. I can't see it. Um, You know, little one I could sneak in my pocket. Um, So I just started doing that and I was shooting, you know, just taking shots, just random shots here and there. I started like enjoying capturing certain moments. And I think I was about halfway into the year of this live music journey. I was I was up the front and I saw these guys walking in the pit, taking their photos. I thought, right, I need to get in there. So I uh, started networking, bought some better gear, of course. And um, the rest is history. Yeah, just started going for it and fell absolutely in love with it. Define better gear for me. Are you, you, you a Canon, Nikon, a Fuji, Canon Sony? Yeah, I'm a Canon man. I, I went uh, 5D Mark III. Okay. Um, that's, I've, I've always always used Canon. Um, you carry one body to a show or two? One, one body. One body, uh, two lenses, but I always pretty much use a 24 to 70. That's my go-to lens. Okay, so what's the second lens? It's a 70 to 200, which I only use for front of house shoots. I, um, you don't, don't ever, really you don't ever use, well, that makes sense. Now that I think about your photography, yeah. you tend to shoot like wide. wide. You're not a detail guy. The, yeah. I like the wide and trying to capture everything that's in the shot. Um, more than even, even with my, um, sort of live portrait shots, like the slash one I sent through, that's all done on a 2470. The, okay. So in the gallery that's at behind the shot.tv that is, is associated with this blog post, I've got a gallery of, of, uh, jazz's shots. And I'm going to say, I actually originally wanted you on for the slash picture. I, there, I, somebody said to me, I sent it to somebody to show them it. And they said, what do you love about this shot, Steve? Do you like the technical end or the emotion? I'm like, I like the mystery. There's something about that shot that you look at a well-known guitarist like slash. And this is almost headshot style, right? This is one yeah. of the rare tight shots for you. And there's something about it 
that makes me want to know what he is thinking. It's that story of what is happening here that I dig. Now, who do you shoot for now? Mostly mostly publications? uh, Mainly publications or the the touring companies or the PR companies that are coming through. Um, I've sort of built my name up that way. But with that slash shot, it's definitely just the look of him looking directly straight ahead, like through the crowd. I think that's why that mystery looks on it because there's – He's just got this straight, his lips are in this emotional phase of just blank looking out. And you just mentioned something interesting from a composition point of view, right? Had he been looking a little bit more to the right or a little bit more left or a little bit more up, it would have lost it. Had he been looking at the camera, would have been a different story. He's looking at just the right, perfectly straight out level and you're at the right spot, which in music photography could be luck, right? Um. But yeah, just I'm just telling you, go to BehindTheShot.tv, <laughs> look at that shot, because that shot is that. an absolute winner to me, which brings us to Thank the next you. part about you before we bring up this image. You almost always do black. I, I don't know that I've ever seen you do color. Do you? Yeah, yeah no. I, I, I have posted some color. Um, I'd say 98% is black and white. It's Why? Just something, it screams music for me. It just screams okay, emotion. You, I'm, you emotion can't, and, yeah, it, it embellish that. What do you mean by that? Oh, I just, I think more because when I was younger, I had posters of like certain musicians like Hendrix and The Doors and that. They're always black and white. And it, it just, I just love the look of it. it use your imagination on the photo to, to make the emotion out of it. Um, I just, yes, I just I have a, a big soft spot for black. See, and I agree. Technology. And to me, it's the Hendrix. Um, it's the the Who and the Queen yeah, the who. Yeah. shots. And it's not just, to me, music photography, which is why the landscape and portrait photographers out there don't turn the podcast off. This applies to you, too, because one of my favorite shots of all time was Muhammad Ali in a ring. I use this as an example when I talk about noise. Uh, I think he's standing over Sonny Liston in this shot, the one that I'm thinking yeah. of. And it's this high intensity, black and white, and it's gorgeous, but it's noisy as hell. Oh, yeah. And I love that, right? It's one of the reasons I say to people, the most iconic shots of our day have noise in them. Stop zooming in and freaking out about the noise. Oh, exactly. I think noise is, adds to a shot, definitely the emotion of the shot. And, and that photo you were just talking about, I think that with black and white, you can just sense the more the emotion in the shot where if the color was in the shot for me. I feel like the color would take away from. I, I agree. In a, in a way, this is a total rat, rat, rat yeah. hole that we're going down. Uh, but in a way, color becomes its own subject sometimes, mm-hmm. not always. But yeah. in the right image, we talk about, oh, look at the vibrant colors, right? The color can become the subject of the picture or a competing subject in a picture very easily, take that out, strip that down, and you're back to what is really the core emotion or subject of a photo. Yeah, exactly right. I think that's why I love black and white. So let's talk about this shot. Because when you posted this, I saw this on Instagram, right? And on Instagram, let me just bring up your Instagram here really quick so that people can see. On Instagram, you're jazz underscore meadows underscore imagery, right? When I... When I saw this on Instagram, I immediately went, (gasps) because, ah, I want this picture in my portfolio so freaking bad. This picture is called, and I love the name that you chose for it, The Wind 
that carries me away. And for those listening on audio, I I was going to describe it for those listening on audio. I'm going to let you describe it for me. Well, it looks like, well, okay, I'll give give it a crack. Um, (laughs) It looks like he's actually floating into the light. It looks like, um, yeah, like he's actually being carried away into the light, into the heavens or whatever you want to call it. Cause he's just, just off the, just off the riser. His, his back's arch. He's actually at the start of his jump and it just looks like he's floating towards the light with his hand up in the air. I've got my hand in the air for some reason. I don't know yeah. And what's funny about it is when I first saw this, I thought to myself, okay, first of all, you caught him, you know, obviously he's not floating. He jumped, you caught him mid jump, perfect timing, hand in the air as though he's blocking the light from his eyes, almost like he's going up to a spaceship. Like he's being beamed yeah. up. It's almost like a Twilight Zone episode. Um, it is, yeah. The microphone in his hand, but the cord clearly flapping around. His back yeah. is actually to the audience. Yep. Which, yeah. uh, to me, I'm sure that there are some people out there that would go, I, I wish he wasn't. But to me, that's the mystery of it, right? That's the story. Why is he looking away from the audience and what's he looking at and where is he going? Yeah. Well, I love, well, actually... I knew he was getting ready to jump for that shot. So I got myself ready and I got a bit excited because I did fire off too early because I was going for the big jump shot, legs up, curled up in the air. You were premature. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I went way too early. and um, But in the end, it worked out for the best because I actually missed that shot when I first edited. I went through all my shots and saw that went, oh, no, I missed it. I missed the jump shot completely. And it wasn't until a couple of days later, which I always like going back over my shots with fresh eyes, like, you know, a lot of times people want to get the shots away straight away and you, you always miss great shots because tired eyes. After a shoot, you're home. It's one in the morning, you're editing and you're going. But with fresh eyes, I picked up on it and um, it just, I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And once I cropped it and moved in, into the position that was right, I was like, hang on, this something, I could work with something here. Okay, so is this heavily cropped or is this close to full frame? Uh, it's close to full, uh, close to full frame. And what band is this? This is AFI. Okay. And Um, what, do you know the exposure info on this? Yeah. So I was shooting that one at 3,200. It was 3.5 with 250. Okay. Um, So you caught a jump shot at 250th of a second. Yeah. Which for anybody who shoots this type of music like AFI, that's actually, you're going to miss it more than you're going to get it. Um, yeah. you, usually to me, most jumps at this type of music where they're really, they're moving around 400th, mm. 500th of a second makes me feel safer. Yeah. I, I shoot a lot of my jump shots about t- around the 250 mark. I like a bit of motion blur in it because when, when I change the black and white, um, it just gets a bit more of emotion into the shot. That's why. Um, okay. So that's works. a conscious choice yeah. on yours. Interesting. And this was yeah. the 24 to 70? 24 to 70, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm curious, when you're shooting a shot like this, a lot of photographers, myself included, in, in a photo pit, we use back button focus. Do you? No. Okay. Manual? Manual. Fully oh, manual. No, sorry, auto. Auto. Auto, sorry. Auto focus. Auto focus, but your, your manual yeah. exposure. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Okay. What about Everything ISO? Is that manual too? Manual. Everything's manual. What about uh, metering? Are you are you using matrix? Because because one of my complaints about Canon is 
only their 1DX does the, if you're doing spot metering, which, you know, most concert photographers love if yeah. they're Nikon shooters, on a Canon, no matter where you move your focus point, the spot that it meters off of is always dead center unless you're on the 1D series. Right, yeah. Um, I, I do move it around a bit. Um, I shoot a lot of feel, like especially with my settings. You know, a lot of people say with this setting, there's this one, with this, with the shutter speed and this ISO to this f-stop. I go a lot on feel on how the light's working. And I think it's from the years of, even though my short time of um, shooting is working at what my camera can do at different um, settings. Okay. Do you use center focus point or do you do move your, you, I think you said you move I, your focus point. Oh right? uh, yeah, I do move. I do move my focus point. Okay. And also, cause I try and crop, I try and look at the photo as I'm sort of looking at it as a picture at the time, like I might move my focal point to the right so I can get more of the left in the shot. So you're composing capture. strongly in camera then? Yeah. Okay. So you use, I want to get into your black here in just a second, but yep. in this particular shot, right? And a lot of your work, you have really, really bright highlights. You have really, really dark blacks. Somehow you manage to never have those bright highlights too bright on your subject, which is not easy in what we do for a living. But when you're, when you say you're going by feel, are you aiming, you know, okay. Photography is the art of compromise, right? For what we shoot, the dynamic range is way too high and no, we're not going to do an HDR. So you're going to make a compromise and you're either going to sacrifice clipping the, the highlights or clipping the blacks or shooting to the middle and most likely clipping both. Which of those do you aim at? Um, I shoot to the middle. Okay. So you don't care if you blow out a light or clip a shadow in, in some areas. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. like I say, we have extreme dynamic range, but yeah. your I use of, say again, I'm sorry. So I shoot a lot to the middle. Okay. Your use of what I consider to be really dark, solid blacks in your black and white imagery is almost the signature of your work, right? You're not, yeah. you're not doing an Ansel Adams zone system where you're trying to hit 256 shades of gray, right? You will have complete blackout in large portions of your scene at times like this shot, an entire set of smoke that's pure white, um, what led you as you were shooting to that choice in that style? Um, the negative space. I like to work with the negative space because it brought out the subject a lot more. Um, like the, the main point is the subject. So everything else around it, if it's not needed, I prefer to make that a negative space and really focus on what's happening in the middle of the subject. Def definitely the blacks are just... Yeah, it, it, for one, it brings out the the light where it needs to certain shades and the light in the face or the smoke and the and the lights coming off on what's going on the stage. There's something about the blacks that work that make the picture pop. This image, clearly a photo pit shot, right? You're in a photo pit for this. Yep. When you're in a photo pit, what is your approach? You know, we get three songs usually for, for music photography. Yeah, so, yep. What is your approach to where you are in relation to your subject in the limited space? 
And, and again, this to me applies to things other than music photography. Okay, other people are not limited space in a photo pit, but you may be limited where you can move to shoot a, a, you know, a pride of lions in a field. Um, there's a number of, of things that photographers have to go up against, like movement limitations. In what you're doing, your limited time and limited space, what, what's your approach? Yeah, um, it's every, every show is different in the pit, definitely. I definitely do my homework before I go into the pit. I always watch the last few shows of the band I'm about to do, see how they move. Uh, so with AFI in this case, I knew there was going to be a lot of jumps and they had the risers at the front. So as soon as I saw any of the the band members jump on the riser, especially the singer, I'd move to the far left or far right and sort of get my shot ready in case he was going to jump. And not, not all the time he did, but because um, I, I like to go wide. So I'd, have to, I'd move, I'll shoot from the far left or right of the pit. So you preset yourself up knowing he was going to go up in the air because it's AFI. And, and kind of knowing what your composition was going to be. You know, one of my notes, and you yeah, mentioned well, the negative space, is your imagery tends to really well serve rule of thirds and, and mm-hmm. negative space, or what they call in advertising, white space, actually. When you're shooting this wide with a 24 to 7 on a 5D3, do you use a single point? Do you use, uh, like on the Canons, they have something called focus yeah. point assist, where you can get either four or yeah, uh, eight. Nine. Yeah, points around it. Which which focus mode are you in? Yeah, it's like a, I use the nine point, so I can have the nine points, and I usually put that around the the subject's face. Now, with a jump shot, it's hard because as soon as they jump, you're gonna you're naturally gonna move with them. Um, I don't usually fire off, you know, ten shots. I'll try and get one shot, nice and as sharp as I can. You don't do even a th- like a three shot burst. Uh, sometimes other than that, I'd really just try and hold, get it, get the focus on him and then just fire and hope, hope for the best. See, that's kind of how I shoot too. I'm not one to go and, and machine gun. I will so I usually, there's times I see somebody go and I realize I shot one frame and I'm like, what am I thinking? You know, I, if I do a burst, it's maximum two, three shots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I find myself a lot of times realizing I only snapped one. And I get home, sometimes I got it, and sometimes I didn't. But um, so yeah, let's, exactly. that's all part of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sit down to 5,000 images at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, at the start, I'd do that. You know, I'd, I'd fire off, just go trigger happy, hope for the best. Yeah. But time goes on, you, you sort of learn to be patient and set yourself up for the shot you're trying to get. You don't always get it. But when you do it, got it well, feels good. And you actually mentioned something earlier that's so true. And that is sometimes when we get home, when I shot self-help this year, I got home and I went through my shots that night and I starred the ones that I wanted. And later, somebody at the radio station came to me and said, I'm posting my interview with uh, Papa Roach. Do you have, I'm, I'm interviewing the guitarist. Do you have some photographs of the guitarist? And I went through and I wasn't really happy with what I had. And I, I started looking through the stuff that I had trashed. And there was this horribly underexposed shot of the guitarist that I did a little work on, very little. And suddenly it's one of my favorite shots and I almost missed it. If you shoot a 15 shot burst, the odds of you missing a shot increase. I don't mean missing capturing it. I mean, missing seeing it in editing. Mm, Yeah. Because there's just too many to go through. So let's get to the fun stuff here. Because this to me... 
I mean, my God, dude, your black and white processing is second to none. So first of all, what software do you use? Lightroom. That's it. No Photoshop. No Photoshop at all. Okay. Are you using any plugins? No. Presets? Start scratch every, no. Start scratch every shot. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so explain to me your post-processing workflow. You get home, you've got the images on your card. What do you do? Um, so once they're all up and going, once they're uploaded, let's just go through every shot and I'm, and I look for the, the shot that, that works. Um, it's, it's something else. You'll know, you know when you see a shot and it works and you might just have to crop it a bit, but if the look's not there, if the, the focus is not there or I just skim past it pretty quickly, um, and I'll cut them down, you know, I'll flag them all to the ones that just work straight away. I might, I'll, I'll hit the black and white button. Um, and that's when I know they're going to work or not. And I'll just quickly go through it. That's, that's when I first get home. This is what I'm saying. Like, um, I'll like, I'll miss a few shots because I'm quickly doing them to get sort of ed edits out for like publications or PR companies who, who want color. So the tough thing is I get all the color shots done first and I'll send them a few color shots and then I'll go back and do all the black and whites. And like I said, every shot is from scratch. Um, hit the black and white button and then I'll work on shadows, uh, contrast, blacks, the lights, um, cropping it. But the shot's got to be there before you can even work on it. You know, you know within the first minute or so if you've got, if the shot's going to work. Because sometimes you can sit on a shot for, you know, 10 minutes and you, you're stuffing around with it so much it's just not going to work. No, yeah, you you know if it's you know yeah, savable yeah, yeah. or not. Yeah, 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 um, exactly. What would you have done to an image like this one in post? All right, this one would have been um, would have centered it, cropped it to center it, so um, and then hit the black and white, and then I've um, focused on the light because his hand shining into the light. So I, I uh, blackened up around the light to bring the light out more. So it looked like it was a beam coming down. Okay, blackened up. Okay. So what would you have the, done? The would you have used an adjustment would, brush? Adjustment brush, hit the blacks and the contrast and the shadows and slowly just. So not exposure. No, not yet. So you would have on your adjustment brush, instead of using exposure, you use a combination of contrast, increased contrast, yeah. lowered shadows, lowered blacks. Okay, go ahead. I feel like the exposure can really suck it out too much. Totally agree. I, yeah. Um, and if you do that, then it's like just, it happens too fast with the exposure. I like to gradually bring it back to a point where I'm happy with it. Now to the naked eye, they might not see any different, but to me, I just like, okay, a bit more, a bit more until I'm happy and settled on what's going to happen. Then around the sides, I just pull, pull the blacks right back to try and build that negative space as much as I think it needs. Again, with a brush. With a brush. And then, um, and then can, I, I do a lot of brush work because I think it's just subtle. And that, and like I said, against the naked eye. They, do you ever use, right. like I use radial filters a lot where I'll center a yeah. dot on the, on the subject, like in the middle of his back, a radial filter at an angle following the light. And use that to outside the radial filter, bring down the shadows and blacks. You don't do that. It's all brush. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All In brush. Interesting. So is there anything in post? What do you do to your highlights in a shot like this? First of all. Um, 
highlights are very different because you've got to be careful. I, I spend a bit more time on it because I don't want to bring them out too much and I don't want to kill it too much. Um, there's certain bits where you want to be uh, bringing out the highlights a lot more. Say like at the, the top of the light, you really want to, I, on this shot in particular, I'd bring out the, the top light a lot so it looks like the beam is strong at the top, let it fade down towards his hand and his, and his face and the body. Um, I'd lightly bring it up again with the brush and bring up the highlights and um, slowly do it from there. Um, it's it's a you, long process, but I, I, I just, it's little bits at a time too. How long? I mean, what, what, what would you have spent on a shot like this? Um, well, this one was a lot quicker than say a slash one. <laughs> a slash one took a lot longer. You had to um, go back. <laughs> had to. Um, well, it's funny. This one, I say a long time, I'd say to get it to a point where I'm happy could have been like 20 minutes. Okay. But that's just fiddling. That's fiddling around. Like that's, but that's not completely finished. Like I'd, I'd do it and then I'd have to, cause I've been staring at it for so long. I'd have to look away for a bit, right. come back. Cause I'm, I'm really, I know. It looks like you may hard. have dehazed. It looks like you may have dehazed around the edge of this smoke. Would you have? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I try and maybe the clarity, bring it out a bit in the smoke, give that a bit of a run. So that it filters through the smoke a bit. Yeah. Um, Okay, so here's here's the big question then. You've only been doing music photography for four and a half years, which kind of freaks me out, all right? Because you're really good, man. Uh, thank you. Um, is there anything in post, two questions actually, to finish up. Anything in post you would not do? You know, like for example, there are certain things in photojournalism you can't do. Is there anything that, that Jazz Meadow says, no, I won't do that? Photoshop? <laughs> You remind me of Christy Goodwin. It's against her religion. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've opened Photoshop once and then I closed it and never again. I like working with the light. I think for me, it's working with the light. And for my work, I'm, I'm very anal with my work. I, like I said, other people might not see the difference, but I could see something and think, oh, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. And I'll sit on it, blacken that up, bring that little bit of highlight out. I have to like it. I, I see it as like, would I put that on my wall? Oh, I'd like to see this on my wall. Yeah, this is that shot is just so awesome. So people that want to start music photography like you, what's your what's your best tip? Learn your camera. Learn what your camera can do under different circumstances. Learn light. Read. Shoot every style, every venue you can do um, and see what the light and movement does to your settings. Yeah, I, I, I completely. I'm still learning. Say that again. I'm still learning. You yeah, know, you know, I think we're all learning at the. To me, it's it's. Somebody, I think it was Scott Bourne said once on a podcast I was listening to, read a page of your manual a day, and it's amazing how many people. I know my gear, but then they don't understand why they miss a shot, and you can't understand your camera enough. You just can't. Yeah. Um, well, I've, I've I've never had any training or less i'm more self-taught um i threw myself into the deep end and just went out and shot you know i was doing five nights a week at the start in small clubs because that's where i could get into you know i wasn't doing the big show straight away because you had to work way up to that you had to in my i guess earn your right to do it um and just know your know your camera and um and work hard it's 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 not easy like you and plus you got to love it 
for me, music photography, I, I love it. I love shooting and I love editing. I love my posts. I love, for me, it's art. I love creating a piece of art. I don't see it as a photograph or I just, it's something about the art side of it that I absolutely love. Well, and, and your post-processing, man, is seriously, from black and white point of view, your post-processing is just next level stuff and people you can go to behindtheshot.tv and you can see a small gallery of like six images, including today's image of what jazz does, but then you need to check them out online. And throughout this show, I've been putting up all of your, your social media handles. Uh, you know, you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, back this video up and, and, and take a look at those URLs. What is your website so that people can easily, you know, find you that way? Yeah, it's, uh, it's jazzmeadowsimagery.com and you'll, you'll find it's just a, it's just a gallery of shots there that, um, perfect that I throw up. And again, and, um, behind the shot.tv, you will find a gallery and more information on jazz and links to all the, the social media and his website stuff that we talk about jazz. I've been wanting to get you on for a while. We've talked about it for a while. Thank you so much for being on, man. Now, my honor, my pleasure, man. It's, it's, I tell you, it's a real honor to be on the podcast and, Thank you so much for having me on. Well, Hopefully my explanations actually were right because I'm not the best at explaining what I do. I would I disagree with it, you. I you guess. you got it across good. And <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm going to try and learn your editing style because you've got some stuff that I really admire uh, and and would like to get in, in my toolkit. So thank you again. I'd love to give it a go. And another thing, I always listen to the band I'm editing because it brings out the emotion in the shot as well. Yeah, and you know, I know a lot of people who do that, actually. I, I have to yeah. edit in silence myself, but I know oh, a lot of people. Yeah. Christy Goodwin says she pu puts on a song from the band she's editing, but then she um, leaves it on repeat. So after once or twice through, it's there for the energy, but she's ignoring it at the same oh, time. Yeah. I thought that well, was kind of interesting. I'm going to try that, too. Yeah. So, yeah, well, Jazz, actually, thanks. I'll, I'll cut you off. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks so much, mate. It is absolutely my pleasure. And to everybody else, a couple of quick reminders for you. On screen right now is the Red River Paper information for the Red River Paper uh, contest for winning one of 10 sample packs or a print of the image that we discussed on the December 6th, uh, December 6th? Yeah, December 6th, 2018 show. All the information on the Red River Paper contest is at the blog uh, behind the shot.tv. And then of course, as I talked about at the very beginning and back it up, if you want to see it again or pause it, if you need to see it again, but my buddy, Adam L. Macias is doing a, a two day music photography workshop in San Diego. The two days are intermediate and advanced. It is not for beginners. If you want more information on that, that URL is on screen now, musicphotographyworkshops.com. It's going to be January 7th and 8th of 2019, and he's made it so I can give away one entry to the intermediate on the 7th and one entry to the advanced on the 8th. Again, not for beginners, does not include travel or lodging. You got to make sure that you can get there, and please don't enter if you can't, but tweet at El Macias on Twitter with the hashtag El Macias. And then include a small little blip on why you want to go and one of your favorite shots that you've taken music photography shots in 2018. Again, Jazz Meadows, thank you so much. My name is Steve Brazel, the host. This is the podcast where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers like Jazz by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. We'll see you next time. 